0: So here we are on Palm Sunday, and we haven't, we haven't done the uh, back screen to fit in with Palm Sunday. We've always got palms on our branding here in Family Church, because we believe that Palm Sunday, and I'm so thankful. I love Palm Sunday. I love Easter. Anybody else? Love this weekend. This is the beginning of what we know as Holy Week. But to me, Easter is every day of my life as well. Every day I wake up thankful that he died on a cross for me. But he took me to a grave and he rose from the dead for me. Anybody else thankful? Listen, next week we're going to have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday service. And uh, tonight, if you enjoyed the worship today, come on out tonight at the Empower Centre, 6.30. We're just going to carry on worshipping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, Well, uh, hey, thank you for your prayers the last three weeks. I've been away, as many of you know, I've been out on the road for three weeks. I've been all over. England I've been in in Wales with the Welsh and uh, I've been up north with the Northerners and uh, Stoke-on-Trent with the Stokies and we just saw God moving it just seems at the moment that God's just using us as a, a church to light fires in places and I'm so thankful a lot of ministry over the last few years seems to have been putting fires out it's nice to be now lighting fires for God and just seeing people just get on fire for the Lord and see armies of people saved and, and just uh, shown how to lead others to Christ. We're in such an exciting moment and time, aren't we? But here we are. I want to take our time this morning just to firstly welcome everyone again. If you're visiting with us for the first time, Really hope you've enjoyed your time with us and stay around afterwards so we can uh, get to know you, say hello. But we're just really thankful that you chose to be with us this Sunday. Now, we're finishing up today a mini-series that we've been on. And we've done a lot of series since the beginning of the year, haven't we? And we've never really been this much of a series church. But what's been fun is all across our different congregations, we've got different congregations all over the south of England... We've been talking about, firstly, remember, encounter. Jesus, we want encounters with you. Then we spoke about Kairos, that we believe that we're in a God moment, a time where God is moving in a fresh way on the earth. And the last couple of weeks, we've been speaking about pathways. And I'm um, just so thankful I listened to Stuart's message, but also Paula's from last week. Didn't Paula do a great job? She's not here to clap. She's actually away with 20 young people, so she's going to need a lot of prayer um, and probably a week to recover after being with all those people. But just so thankful for just the men and women that we've got that can bring just such solid truth um, in our journey. Now, we've had a great couple of weeks and we've been looking at God's pathways for our lives and the call for us to walk on kingdom pathways. Now, like we said, Palm Sunday is that day in the Christian calendar where we see Jesus come through a gateway. And uh, I love love the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem because you have two categories of people and we all get to choose which category we stand with. On the left-hand side were the religious and they were saying, turn it down, turn it down. Not the noise, just the emotion that people were giving. But then on the other side of the street, you just had a whole bunch of people that were thankful for Jesus and they were shouting loud. They were declaring. I want to be found with the loud ones. How about you? I I don't want to be with the grumpy ones. I I want to be with the loud ones. But there's a shout in my heart. As Jesus entered that gateway, he was walking a pathway that took him to a cross. And that cross would change everything for us. Now, when we look at pathways, we want to walk kingdom pathways. We want to walk on pathways of righteousness. Both messages, both from Pastor Stuart and from Paula, spoke about how we have a choice and we really do don't we when it comes to picking pathways we have a choice Adam had a choice the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the tree of of life he had a choice God gives us choice you know um, Cain had a choice he didn't have to kill Abel God said to him sin crouches at the door you don't have to do what it's telling you to. God gives us choice. And the choices we make often determine the pathways that we walk upon. Now, we've been looking from the book of Proverbs and how Proverbs speaks about pathways, especially the first few chapters. Everything seems to be a pathway. And you soon learn after a few chapters that there's pathways that are good, bad, and ugly. And the Bible always encourages us to take the good paths, to make the choice, to take the good ones. It mentions different paths, there's proverbs, paths of righteousness, justice, forgiveness, wisdom, purity, faith. And of course it mentions the path of life and death. And it encourages us, choose life. <clears throat> make sure your your feet are on the pathway of life. Now, a major key to walk in the Christian life correctly really is looking at the pathways your feet should be on, but also the pathways that your feet shouldn't be on. We've all had before salvation moments with our lives. We call those old creation lives. And we all may have walked on pathways that were not good. The question is, are we still walking and choosing those pathways? Or are we saying, do you know what? God has dealt with my past Do you know a powerful thought this morning that I think some Christians never fully understand is you don't own your past anymore. Jesus bought it. Don't try and manage something that doesn't belong to you. Jesus paid for your past with his own blood. So don't let the devil get you to try and manage a past that isn't even your property anymore. You're a new creation. And God wants us to walk on new pathways pathways of life so I've got a couple of thoughts I'm going to throw in here as well just to add to what's been shared the last couple of weeks number one I promise you there's only four points now sometimes when you hear a preacher say that you go like oh great we'll be out of here really quick apart from when they share for like an hour and then say point two (laughs) I promise I'm not going to do that for you today all right trust me point one of four points always choose the small gate and the narrow path Always choose the small gate and the narrow path. In your choosing of pathways, always go for the small gate and the narrow path. Now when you read Matthew 7 verse 14, it doesn't just mention pathways, it mentions a gateway. And the amazing thing is that you most often come through a gateway to walk on a pathway. But in God, when we were saved, we came through the gateway of Jesus to walk on the pathway of kingdom life. Now, I hope i got the right verse up here. Yeah, I did, right. Sean's looking at it like, you had troubled me there, Sean. Yeah, you were thinking, but I was like, have they just put a verse up there that I got wrong and sent them the wrong one? I didn't, that's good. Now, Matthew 7, 14 says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Anybody found it? Come on, let's stay on it, right? Now, the God walk includes gateways and pathways. In salvation, we come through the gateway of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said he's the shepherd, he's the bread, but also he's the door. Anyone who comes through him can find salvation and will be saved. Now, it's a bit of a narrow door, but it opens up into a large kingdom. It says that you come through like a bottle. The bottle's neck is thin, but then it opens up into true life. That's kingdom life. Now, the God walk will always include gateways and pathways. Now, gateways are sometimes moments of decision or even faith crisis where you choose to believe what God's saying. Those are gateways that suddenly you're living your life and just like Jacob again, you have a God moment and you're suddenly confronted that God's got a better life for you, a better way of living for you. But you have a choice to come through that gateway and walk in a new life or reject the gateway and carry on as you were. Now, gateways are moments of decision, sometimes even crisis. Crisis isn't always negative. If you study the word crisis, there's actually a positive to it often as well because it means a moment where you make a radical decision, a moment where you may be forced overwhelmed but you make a radical decision that could change the rest of your life you know most of us or a lot of us in here (coughs) had a crisis moment that was brilliant called getting married right right that was good you were suddenly in a moment of positive crisis where you said I don't have to spend my life alone anymore I can have a helpmate I can have somebody walking with me I can can have somebody to do life with, and that was a great moment, but then you came through the doorway of marriage onto a life where now you could no longer live like a single person. I know not everybody gets that right, but that's the plan. But everything changes in a moment, a gateway moment. So God gives us a revelation of something. That can be a gateway. But then we come through, we add our faith and say, yes, I choose to believe that, Lord, But then we walk in a new way because of pathways following gateways. Does that make sense? We walk in obedience then to what God has asked of us. So imagine with me that you're living your life. Suddenly God, by the Holy Spirit, gives you a revelation of something you never knew. That's really good. That's going to affect your life in a wonderful way you still have the choice to add faith to what God's saying and enter in to what he says is available, right? Sure choice, sure choice. But then when you've come through, you walk the pathway of obedience and understanding. No, everything's changed in my life now. I can't live like I once did. Let me give you an example of this. Let's look at the new creation, the teaching of a new creation, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit makes you and me aware. We're living our lives and all of a sudden we read the Bible and the Holy Spirit brings us to a moment of crisis of faith where all of a sudden we hear and we understand that God has called us to be a new creation, that we don't have to manage an old life. But God's plan was to do away with an old life and give us a brand new life where we were new creations okay Holy Spirit has made us aware but then we need to say will I take a step of faith into what God has shown me is mine to know you could sit there and go "No, I want to carry on uh, living like an old creation that, that's your choice but I hope you'll never do that but rather we pass through a gateway Thank you, God, that you've made it available for me to be a new creation. I step into that truth. I step through the gateway of that truth. I say, yes, you have made me a new creation. I'm now the other side of the gate. I'm living in the revelation God's given me concerning what he did for me at the cross. But now there's a pathway. Now that I know I'm a new creation... I've got to walk like a new creation. It's not good enough to come through a gateway and say, I'm a new creation, old things have passed away, behold, all things are new, old has gone, new has come, and then live like the old creation used to live. The pathway isn't matching the gateway. So when the Holy Spirit makes us aware, because it's the Holy Spirit who always inspires faith, You didn't manufacture your own faith to get saved. The Holy Spirit gave you faith to believe Jesus was saviour. You entered into it, came through the gateway. Now you walk the pathway of someone who's saved. Amen. So we've got to choose the little gateways, the ones that are God gateways, and walk the pathways that go with the gateway that we've chosen. Nobody confused? The second point, number two, is make straight paths. The Bible encourages us not to allow wonky paths in our lives anymore, not crooked ones. Now, what do crooked paths symbolise? A bit of ducking and dealing, a bit of, bit of deception, a little bit of walking straight with God this way and then just bending our own way for a bit. If you visualise a crooked path, it would be a windy path but it takes you a long time to get where you want to go. But the Bible said that crooked paths are not the pathways of those who have come through the gateway of salvation. Our pathways should become less crooked, <clears throat> not more crooked. If you see a Christian living worse morally, he's kind of got his wrong compass bearing. <laughs> if you see a Christian getting more violent, getting more of a temp he's kind of on a pathway that doesn't match the gateway he's come through Now we live a life of daily yielding and obedience God thank you that your Holy Spirit now in me helps me not to walk on crooked pathways but to actually make any pathways that may be crooked in my life in any way straight ones now I had a very active pre-salvation life. Anybody else? Boy, my pathways looked like the old junctions at Birmingham called Spaghetti Junction, where you had roads bending all over the place. You didn't know where one started and one stopped. It was just a series of crooked, um, confused paths. But I'm so thankful that's not my testimony now. Because little by little, as I've been walking with Jesus, he's been taking the crooked pathways and making them straight ones to his glory. <clears throat> so what I'm saying is, if you're walking with Jesus, your, your, your pathway shouldn't be becoming more crooked, but more straight. Now this was, again, the experience of Zacchaeus, wasn't it? When Zacchaeus had a gateway moment with Jesus, he suddenly realised Jesus was the Christ. The very next thing he did was address wrong pathways in his life. All of a sudden Jesus is sitting there eating with him, he's encountered Jesus, he's had a gateway moment with Jesus. The next thing he does, starts to do is reconstruct the paths of his life. All of a sudden he starts shouting I'm going to give back what I've stolen, I've been a crook, I've been a con man, I've robbed people, I've I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to give back, I'm even going to give back more. All of a sudden, there's this huge reconstruction of roadways in Zacchaeus' life, <laughs> all because of a gate that he walked through called meeting Jesus, encountering Jesus. Now, I also think of a message of John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist was the pre-runner to Jesus, wasn't he? He was the cousin of Jesus, and he came announcing that Jesus was coming. He was that crazy guy in the New Testament that um, had uh, locust legs in his beard. Um, and he ate honey and he was a bit of a wild man. A bit of a wild man he was. And he came with a message that said to the people of Israel, Jesus is coming. And he was actually not bringing his own message. He was referring to something the prophet Isaiah had said in Isaiah 40 verse 3. But John the Baptist came with this sound. Jesus is coming. Make sure you don't let crooked things remain in your life. Make sure you're building now straight pathways. Matthew 3 verses 1 to 3 references what Isaiah said. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, And saying, repent. Now that word repent doesn't mean go in a corner and cry. It means change the way you think. Old Testament repentance was really about mournful sorryfulness. I'm sorry you caught me. I feel so bad about that. But New Testament repentance, as the word is used by Jesus and Paul and the other apostles, is more about change the way you think. Change your thinking. To accommodate a kingdom that's here and now, you have to change the way you think to accommodate the rule and reign of Christ on the earth. But also, you know, when he makes you aware of wrong ways that you've been living, there may be tears, but it shouldn't stop with the tears. I know a lot of people have cried their eyes out and then lived no differently the next week. That's not repentance. Repentance is when we suddenly say, Holy Spirit, you've made me aware of something. I'm sorry for how I've been living. Now by your strength, I'm going to live a different way. That's change of thought. So John the Baptist came saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now this was before Jesus um, revealed himself to the world died on a cross was buried in a tomb and rose on the third day but I still believe that this is a sound that's in the church today a good sound that comes from heaven come on Jesus is getting to ready to come a second time we know that there's the second coming of Jesus where he's not going to die on a cross again, he's going to collect all of those who belong to him. Who belongs to Jesus? Well, when Jesus comes a second time, he's not coming to die for you, he already has. He's coming to collect you. Now, there's another reference concerning he's coming for a church without spot and wrinkle. That means that we don't create our own salvation by what we do. Our salvation is sola fida, faith alone. It's faith in the grace of God that causes a person to be saved outside of performance and good works or anything we can add. Amen. We believe fully in justification by faith. Yet we also believe in sanctification, that we are sanctified and we're being sanctified, and we will be sanctified. God sees the end of a thing from the beginning thereof. Now, as we walk with the Lord in our saved life, the Holy Spirit's constantly working in us, going, make straight the paths, make straight the paths. Well, I used to do a little bit, no, make straight the paths. Oh, I used to morally do some, no, make straight the paths. Why? Because Jesus Christ is coming, a second time to collect a bride that belongs to him and has been waiting for his return. Listen, don't let anything in this life take away the excitement that Jesus Christ is coming back for you. Don't let any house, property, job opportunity or other relationship take that first place in your life that you are a part of the bride of Jesus Christ And there's a day coming when a trumpet will sound and he will come and collect you. What we need to do is make sure that we're getting rid of anything that was previously crooked. Amen? Okay, how do we make straight paths? That's a good question, isn't it? Well, the good news is, as I was reading Proverbs 3, I suddenly realised, you don't. He does. When we do three things, the Bible promises He will make our paths straight. Isn't that awesome? Because you could preach a message of works, couldn't you? Oh, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And then you will make your path straight. Where actually Proverbs says, if we do three simple things, relational things, He will make our paths straight. Let's look at what these three things are. Proverbs 3, verses um, five to six, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Who's going to make your path straight? He's going to make your path straight, but straight paths are the consequence of doing three things that the Lord has asked us to do. Number one, trust. Trust. If you want straight pathways, you have to live a life of wholehearted trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not some of your heart. Boy, we've all done that, right? Where we've said, Lord, you can have my heart, this bit, this bit, not that bit, not this bit, this bit, half of this bit, And a portion of this bit, God says, well, if you only give me bits of your heart, I can only bless bits of your heart. If you give me all of your heart, all of my blessing can be upon your heart. If you give me bits of your life, bits of your life I can bless. Here Proverbs is saying, come on, let's not trust him with bits of us. Let's just come into wholehearted trust God, I trust you for the bits I understand. I trust you for the bits I don't. Hey, let me encourage you today. We've all got bits that we don't understand, but it's whether we choose to trust God in those bits. Even knowing that we may not get our answer on earth, we may one day get the answer to our question in heaven. Deuteronomy 28 verse 28 says, the hidden things belong to God. The real, revealed things belong to us. Trust means that we don't just trust him for the things we get, the things we've worked out, the things we understand, but we just draw a line of wholehearted trust. God, I choose to trust you. I fall back into your arms, not knowing what's going to happen, but knowing you're there. Number two, it says lean. Lean not on your own understanding that's really hard to do isn't it when God made us all geniuses didn't he sometimes when God says I'm going to do this we then try to like Abraham work out how do we help God make this happen yet the proverb says trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding or your own reasoning your own reasoning See, Abraham and Sarah created a child called Ishmael that should never have been in existence because they couldn't work out how God was going to bring Isaac into being. We all do that, don't we? God gives us a promise, he gives us a dream, the Holy Spirit awakens something and then we step in and we go, all right, how am I going to help God out with this one? Hey, newsflash, if God needs your help, he'll ask for it. If he's not asking, he doesn't want it because normally what we get involved in, we ruin. That's why God didn't include us in our salvation. He did it between him and his son and brought us in to something that was perfect. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Well, if I was God, I'd do this. You're not. He sees everything. You see partial glimpses. You see single threads of your involvement. He sees a thousand other people involved in what he's doing with you. God is playing chess. You see the one piece. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Even when you don't understand what's going on. Lean not to your own understanding. God didn't say be reasonable. He said be obedient and faithful. Just do what he's asking you to do. And number three, acknowledge him again, in all of your ways. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Again, not some of your ways, not the ways that you want him to, but not the ones you don't want him to. No hidden sections in our life. Every morning, we should all have a simple prayer. God, I commit all my ways to you and I acknowledge your wisdom and your will in all the ways of my life whether that's business ways, relational ways, family ways, raising children ways, marriage ways, all of my ways, I acknowledge you and your truth. Now the Bible promises if you do those three things, he will make your paths straight. All right, time's nearly gone, the next two are real quick, so don't worry. Number three, somebody say number three. It's good to have a lamp. It's good to have a lamp. Anybody already gone to the verse that I'm going to share? Yeah, right. It's easier to stay on the right path if you have a lamp. Have you ever gone camping, been in a tent, suddenly in the middle of the night needed a pee? Anybody? And thought, oh no, the toilet block's over there. And you have to make your way, well you can make your way, there's other things you could do, but but you, you need to make your way from your tent to the toilet block and there's guide ropes that you're tripping over, there's rocks that you're kicking, you accidentally kick someone in the head as you go past their tent. Um, If you try and do that without a lamp, you can get hurt and you can hurt others. The good news is God has given us a lamp so that when it seems dark, when it seems confusing, we're not without light and we can see the way forward clearly. Obviously, the verse I'm going to refer to is Psalms 119, verse 105. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I want to encourage you, be a person of the word, because the word of God is the lamp of God that takes away darkness from your future step. Now, the problem is, We want God to like floodlight the whole walk. You know, this is me here. This is me when I'm dead and I'm in heaven with you, God. But he normally illuminates the next step. It's like those old disco floors. Anybody like me old enough to remember those disco floors? When you stepped on them, they lit up. (laughs) Yeah, it's just me, right. Yeah, I believe that. We got some Saturday night fever people here. I know we do. I know we do. But you used to step on that panel and it would light up. That's like it is when you're walking with the Lord. He lights the step in front of you. How does he light it? He lights it with his word. Church, if you want to live uncrooked paths, be a person of the word. Be reading the Bible. Be asking the Holy Spirit, help me to understand. And then his word becomes the lamp to your foot, the light to your path. Number four, see, I did it, four minutes to go. Number four, it's also good to have a guide. Now, if you've ever been somewhere where you didn't ever have a clue where you were, it's good to have a guide. If you were dropped in the middle of a jungle in Borneo, and you were allowed to have one thing, maybe you'd ask for water or food. I'd ask for a guide, because a guide can take me to food and water. And a guide will get me out. Because he knows the pathways through the jungle. Sometimes in life, it can be like you're standing in the jungle. You're overwhelmed. You can't see the way forward. That's where we have a lamp unto our feet, but also God's given us a guide. And that guide isn't just with us, he's in us. When Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, who's the great guide, he said, when my spirit comes he will be with you but he will also be in you. So live in the word, have a light turned on but also acknowledge the guide. God doesn't want you to do it your way, he wants you to do it Yahweh. he wants you to do it his way. Too many people are kind of ending their days singing that famous Sinatra song, I did it my way. Yeah but what did you achieve? Did you live the life you could have? I don't want to live it my way I want to live it Yahweh I want his way I want to know the guiding of his spirit of how I live out this life of 70 80 90 100 years however the Lord's given me I I want a life that's led by his spirit now it says in John 16 verse 13 when the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into everything that's true we all love Psalm 23, don't we? Because it speaks of the relationship of the shepherd and the sheep. We're the sheep, he's the shepherd. But it speaks of us as his sheep being led to green pastures, still waters. Who's the one who leads us? It's the Holy Spirit. You see, when we became born again, God came to live in us. It wasn't mental ascent behavior modification God saved our lives made our lives holy and able to hold him and the Holy Spirit didn't just seal our lives for salvation but he came to live in our lives to guide us through the jungles that we would face imagine being in a jungle not wanting a guide there's really not much more we can do for you is there Imagine being sitting in a jungle saying, I don't want a lamp and I don't want a guide. I don't know what more I can do for you. Sometimes when I work with Christians, it feels like that. They're in a jungle, but they won't open the Bible. And they won't say, Holy Spirit, will you show me what to do, even if it means that I'm right, you're right and I'm wrong. I've got to change the way I live. Holy Spirit, will you bring me out of this jungle into a place that's good and filled with your life? So we want to end this mini-series on pathways by looking again at the verse that we used to kind of underline it. But I want to read it this time from the Amplified Version, Proverbs 4.26. Consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet, and all your ways will then be steadfast and sure. Who wants ways that are steadfast and sure? Well, the Bible says, consider, ponder the paths of your feet. This isn't something that we do together. It's something that we do alone, isn't it? Are there crooked pathways in my life? Holy Spirit, do you want to make those pathways straight? Is there wrong believing? Holy Spirit, would you make my believing correct? Are there areas that I know that God says this in his word about what I'm doing, but I refuse to live by it because I think I know better? Then God can't validate the consequence of your disobedience. He can only validate the promise of his word and blessing to you. We come through a gateway called Jesus. Jesus. And we find ourselves in a brand new place of being a Christian, a follower of Christ, where suddenly everything becomes brand new. I want to encourage you, it's not just about the gateway of salvation, though that's so important. It's also about walking God's pathways, the other side. Holy Spirit, God, we've all got crooked paths. Would you help each and every one of us by your strength, by acknowledging you, leaning on you, trusting in you to make anything that's crooked in our lives straight? If you're here today and maybe you said, hey, not a bad message, Andy, that's all right. I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I belong to Jesus. I don't know if I've ever had that crisis of faith moment where I acknowledge Jesus as Saviour and came came through the gateway into a newborn life. Well, the good news is just one prayer today and that changes everything. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're here today and maybe you've been playing around with God but you want to draw a line in the sand and say, no, today, today I give my life to Jesus now I know what we normally do is say I'm going to pray a prayer and just wave two fingers at me if that's you I'm not going to do that today I think that often when we make things too easy people don't live in the good of what they've done so I'm going to ask you today and there's no pressure on anyone I'm not even going to ask anyone to shut their eyes or bow their heads no I'm going to say if you're in here today and you say I need to meet Jesus in this crisis of faith I need to meet God in this moment and say God I give my life to you and my life from this moment belongs to you I want you when I say three to stand to your feet take a stand own it say God I'm not going back from this moment one I know it takes courage but if we can't stand for him in a crowded room how are we going to live for him in an empty world? Two, three if there's anyone here today and you say I need to give my life to Jesus be bold stand to your feet right now don't care who's looking thank you that takes a lot of courage thank you anybody else you say yeah I'm taking my stand to be a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. In a world that's confused, I'm taking my stand. Is there anyone else today? And you say, me too. I want to give my life to Jesus. I mean business. I'm not playing at this. I mean Jesus. Maybe you need to think about it some more. Come back next week and then you'll take your stand. But we will always give opportunity in Family Church for a person. To say, Jesus, become my Lord and my Saviour. Just going to wait one more moment. Don't worry about the people you've come with. They can't save you. Don't listen to pride. Pride's not your friend. God is here to do business with you. Just going to wait one moment and we're going to pray. Father, I thank you today for this young lady. I pray that this moment of boldness and courage would reroute and change the direction of her life. Holy Spirit, would you fill her now with your presence and your power and make all things new? Father, I pray for those who may be in a valley of decision, but Holy Spirit, you would continue. To speak into their hearts, words that take them in your direction. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. Amen. Hey, if you're here, if you're here today and you'd like somebody to meet with you and pray with you, maybe talk a little bit more about what is it to be saved, born again. We've got a banner at the back and it says best decision ever just want to encourage you just to make your way there and there's somebody there who will also pray a prayer of salvation with you because we want to make it as easy as possible for every person to find Jesus and to walk with him. You're doing good church? Remember this is the start of what's known as Holy Week. In our hearts let's be ready for all that God wants to do and as we approach this coming weekend let's have joy in our hearts about his resurrection. Amen. God bless you.